let me I've said this to you before. Let me say it now. I am not a constitutional scholar. I love the Constitution. It means a great deal to me. I think the more we try to understand it, the better off that we are. However, I I think that when we just say, ah, I'm not going to listen to this part. This is just about the Constitution. One of these days, I, here's, here's what I believe. I believe one of these days when we're having to hide in caves or in secluded buildings or running for our lives, I think we'll wish that we had a better understanding of our Constitution. In fact, if we gain a better understanding of our Constitution, maybe we won't ever have to run and hide in buildings or caves. Pat, why are you bringing this up? Because on December the 15th, 1791, 1791. Um, this is 232 years ago. Today. That's when the Bill of Rights, the first 10 amendments to the Constitution, were enshrined as the rule of law. That was the ratification of the Bill of Rights. And the Bill of Rights basically were inspired by three different documents. Now, you got to understand something. A lot of what they did back then, and when I say they, we're talking about the founders. Um, the guys who were there in the room when we're trying to do the Constitution and we're trying to ratify the stuff that's going to matter to our country. And there was this ability to want to look back and try to do right things for right reasons. <laughs> what they wanted to do is to make sure that um, that that every every part of the document that they would use was accurate. Some because there was some stuff that, that had happened in history elsewhere in the world that they wanted to emulate, and some because they wanted to avoid what had happened elsewhere. Three documents that were pretty remarkable, and they became a large part of what it was that they did. One was by John Locke. John Locke wrote an article in 1689, a thesis, if you would. John Locke, L-O-C-K-E, in 1689, so 102 years before the Bill of Rights. The Two Treatises of Government. And that dealt with the, well, basically the, the protection of property in the Latin context, proprius, or one's own life, liberty, and estate. That's one of the documents that they looked at. The second one was from the Virginia Declaration of Rights authored by George Mason in 1776 as part of their state constitution. And, of course, also in part by Thomas Jefferson and what he'd written into our own Declaration of Independence. Though the Bill of Rights is commonly referred to as the first ten amendments to our Constitution, it's very important to distinguish these from the other amendments to the Constitution. The former, the first ten, are an integral part of the Constitution. The others have come about over the course of the history of our nation to modify it to make it more usable and more workable. 
but it is a distinction. In addition of the Bill of Rights, it was hotly debated among our founders. I mean, they went tooth and nail over this stuff. They argued that the mere reiteration of these innate and unalienable rights of man within the Constitution might imply that they are somehow subject to amendment, as if they had been granted by a state. We're going to pick it up right there. I believe the Bill of Rights are different from every other amendment to the Constitution. On this date in 1791, so it's been a while, okay? Um, I mean, there's... I, I, I wish we had a better understanding of where people's minds were 232 years ago. Um, if you look through everything that they went through to declare the independence of this country, and then everything that they went through to ratify the Constitution and then ratify those first 10 amendments, the Bill of Rights. Um, they were not going to do this wrong. I mean, you know, now, was it perfect? No, it's not perfect. You know, you got people involved. Um, it, it, stuff happens. Okay. But here you are in 1791, four years after the ratification of the constitution itself, and they wanted to make sure that they went back in and tweaked it just so that they could know that they had covered everything that they'd wanted to. They studied John Locke from his thesis. They had studied the Virginia Declaration of Rights. They had studied the Declaration of Independence, the portions authored by Thomas Jefferson. They went through all of it. But they felt like they wanted to make sure that they went in and took these rights that we had and made sure that everybody understood, as they did, that they were not just rights, but they were unalienable rights. Now, p- people get on me when I do this, and they say, there's no difference between unalienable and inalienable. And I gave a presentation one time. Uh, where was I? I was in Wabash, Indiana, and I, and there were three attorneys. One of them, in fact, was a judge. But there were three attorneys in the crowd, and I didn't know it. And they came up to me and to say, you were spot on with what you just said, and that's this. Our rights in the Constitution are not certain inalienable rights. They are certain unalienable rights. What's the difference? If I have an inalienable right, Derek or David cannot come up to me and do something where they can alter or limit or take away my rights. An unalienable right, Derek can't, David can't, and I can't. I can't bottle up my rights and give them away. I can't do it. Can't do it. That makes them beyond a level of secure of anything that was ever written about in any of the treatises or any of the documentation of anything that ever happened from where they came from with the king, the United Kingdom. And so when they did that, they wanted to, they wanted to have, and they debated this man for four years, but they wanted it to be right. They wanted it done right. Many of them argued that the mere reiteration of these rights 
might imply that they were somehow subjected to an amendment. And they're not. The first 10 are not. Alexander Hamilton. Shannon, if you're listening, you're welcome. She loves Hamilton. Uh, They argued in Federalist 84, the Bill of Rights, in the sense and in the extent in which they are contended for, are not only unnecessary in the proposed Constitution, but would even be dangerous. Why declare that things shall not be done, which there is no power to do? Well, because sometimes, Mr. Hamilton, you have to say it to the extent that even the lesser knowns among us understand exactly what it is they're saying. On the other side of that, George Mason uh, was one among the convention delegates who refused to sign because the document did not adequately address limitations on what the central government could and could not do. Exactly what is it that the central government does not have the power to do? We need to sit down sometime. I need. I haven't done it for probably a year. You need to get out your copy of the Constitution, go to Article 1, Section 8, and find out what is it that your Congress can do to you. What is it that they can require of you? What is it that's within the scope of what they do? And then later in the Constitution, it says everything else that's not expressly given to Congress, where does it go? It goes to the states and to the people. It's an interesting thing to go back and read these documents because sometimes we think we know what they said. You know, I mean, do you remember when we used to have to, you know, memorize the text at the beginning of the Declaration of Independence, you know, and, you know, and we did the whole thing, yada, 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 and all that, and we didn't understand it all? We had to learn it just because, well, I don't know about you, but... I had to learn it because Mrs. Grimes said, you will learn this. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by whom? By whom? They are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This stuff mattered to them. Here, This was the biggest fear of the people that put this country together. Can I tell you what it was? Because they watched their, their brothers and their fathers and their sons and their sons-in-law. They saw them die on the battlefield following Washington. Because when these guys declared our independence, somebody else had to go out and pay for it. When, when, when people would get reports, your son died today. Uh, Thirteen people from your village died today. Everybody was sad. But these guys, one of them wrote that, that it gripped them like a viper. Because it was because of their words and their declaration that set up everything where the king felt that he had to respond. It is one thing, and don't get me wrong, it was an extremely brave thing to sit there in that meeting hall in, in, in Philadelphia and to say, this is who we are. 
this is who we are breaking with, and this is how we're going to set ourselves up. And that thing did not just sit there where they found it years later and said, oh, let's hang this up in City Hall. No, they sent it by courier to the King of England. Too bad they didn't have highlighters back then. They could have highlighted the portion of the of the declaration uh, that spoke about him so he couldn't miss it. I don't think he missed it, do you? And then based on that, that was what made... It's what makes me so proud of who we are. I, I don't have... I don't have the wherewithal, and I don't have the ability... And I don't have the intellect, and I don't think I have the heart to do what they did then. I just pray that whether I'm in front of a microphone or I'm on a stage somewhere or I'm talking to people in my Sunday school class or I'm speaking one-on-one with somebody that comes up at a restaurant and, and just stirs up a conversation with me, I hope I've got the wherewithal that I can share with them exactly what it was that I think that happened when this country was founded. We need to make sure that we understand what our rights are and what it means that they are unalienable. You cannot take my rights from me. And one of the biggest fears I have right now, and I'm I'm genuinely serious when I say this, our country already oversteps its bounds, our government. We've got people on Capitol Hill that through legislation or sometimes some Republicans and Democrats through executive order who step in and try to put things in place without proper legislation and they try to rule and reign in our lives. And if it's not under Article 1, Section 8, they don't have the right. You see, we think because they have the biggest buildings and because there's Air Force One and they've got all the black limousines and they've got the sepulchred halls there, that the federal government is the supreme government in this country, and it is not. The supreme government in this country is supposed to be the states. That's where it's supposed to be. If if we don't get a grip on that soon, one of these days we're going to wake up, we're going to read it, and we're going to go, wait a minute, that's not the way this is supposed to be. It's going to be too late. Because we're going to have it taken away from us, and and we just can't. We absolutely cannot allow that to happen. We've got people right now on Capitol Hill who, t- who took an oath to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States, and they don't even know what's in it. They're not even aware. Some of those are Republicans, too. We're all created equal. There is nothing about me that is greater than David or Derek or anybody else in this building or anybody else where you live or where you work. Nothing in me is greater than any of it. If anything ever happens to me that's greater than what I deserve, it's only by the grace of God. And trust me, I don't deserve that. But in his great loving care for me, he has offered me some opportunities that are absolutely amazing. Same for you. Same for you. When we had the Declaration of Independence, it wasn't the federal government that declared it. It was the 13 
United States of America. They made the declaration. That's important to remember. There was no U.S. government when we declared our independence. It was the 13 colonies coming together. Let us never forget that. Podcasts by Federated Media.